History is strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. The West Cocoa Pharmacy bringing you Hour 3 of Bill Mick Live on this Tuesday, the 18th of July, 2023. Dave Bowman joining us from Silverdale, Washington, as uh, Dave does history every Tuesday at 8 o'clock with us here on Bill Mick Live. We'll get to your thoughts in our final segment of the hour, if you have any, based on uh, our topic material this morning. You can link up to Dave's podcast. You'll find him on the iHeartRadio app at uh, BillMick.com on the show page today entitled DeSantis and Trump. You'll see a link to uh, the DaveBowmanShow.com and then a link to Dave's history bibliography for you. So uh, check those out. And uh, let's jump into a Tuesday morning conversation with Dave Bowman. Morning, Dave. How are you, man? Like most of the country, I'm hot. Yeah, is it not been? Man, it's that global warming stuff. It's killing us, man. Must be. I heard you and Rod uh, talking on What the Frock on Sunday. That, um, what, in the 90s? Now, not surprising in the Central Valley, California, for them to be reaching 90s or even into the 100s or 110s. But for you in Washington, 95 plus? We'll get probably five to seven days a year in that 95 Uh plus range. Luckily, they almost all happen right together. But it makes up for the rest of the year when, you know, it's it's really nice. <laughs> so I can live with it. Yeah, that's a good thing. And I remember your struggles, what, last year, year before, going out seeking air conditioning? Yes. Just didn't have any. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago, we got over 100, and that was not good. But I can deal with 95. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, you, can, you know what? I didn't mind the heat in California at all and and actually enjoyed it when we were there. So. Right. Yeah, it's it's nice as long as it's not too humid. So speaking oh, yeah. of uh, that was a, that was a good thing about it that it wasn't humid generally. Speaking of people that aren't humid, <laughs> we we all know that guy, right? That oh, guy yeah, that do. that guy that at a meeting or a training or whatever you get down to the everybody's on edge. Everybody's like, well, maybe we can get out of here a few minutes early. Maybe we can you know go do something fun. But there's always that guy, and believe me. If you don't know who that guy is, it's you. Uh, so, then you're the guy. Yeah. Right. So it's there's always that guy that has to bring up some obtuse point or start an argument or ask a stupid question. And remember, there are no stupid questions, only stupid people who ask questions. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. That guy, boy, everybody hates that guy except that guy because that guy doesn't recognize that he or she is that guy. Right. It makes me wonder, Bill, and this is one of those historical wonderings that I have. How much of history has been driven by that guy? Because people are so frustrated that they just give in to whatever that guy wants so that they can get the heck out of there. I bet you there's a lot of occurrences of this. I don't know how much of it actually drives what happened, but at some point they either dismiss him and, and run him out on a rail or start compromising, you think? Based on what I know of history, 
I think it happens a lot more often than we want to admit. I know in my own life, there comes a point where I'm ready to just ready to agree to anything just to get out of there. That's dangerous because you sit on your HLA board. Come on. Right. But then at the same time, the trade-off to that is, well, what did I just give up? And by this point of the Constitutional Convention, remember, it's very hot. It's one of the hottest summers in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. The windows are closed. Everybody's wearing wool, except for the southern guys from South Carolina. They're wearing linen. And Luther Martin still stinks. They're drinking a lot of booze. And everybody's tempers are frayed to the very edge. And they have decided, since they were only expecting to be here for a few weeks, now it's going on two, heading into three months, they've decided that they're going to take a a break. They're going to take a significant break, an 11-day break plus the weekends, which for them is Sunday. So it'll work out to about two weeks they're going to take off. And they're going to leave five guys behind to work on stuff. And as they're getting ready to go, two things are happening. Number one, the heat breaks. So everybody's like, but number two, they've all made plans for what they want to do. But of course, they have to deal with, dun, 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 that guy. And we talk about that guy, who he is and what he was bringing up. Well, we continue in a minute here on WMMB. Dave Bowman is with us. Dave does history on Bill McLive on these Tuesdays. Dave, who is that guy who was keeping these folks from getting number one, the relief in the, in the heat breaking and number two, getting out of there to go on their 11 day conjugal visit at home? Well, let's hold off on that for just a second because you got to really get the context of what's going on. This has been going on now for better than two months and we've only had a two day break over the 4th of July holiday. And while we had that break, we, we told five people that you don't get a break. You need to work on this compromise about the Senate and proportional representation versus uh, equal representation. Remember that? Right. Yeah. Which, of course, we're told that that's the big argument. It's really not, but we're told that it is. During that little break, it's Ben Franklin that comes up with what will eventually be called the Connecticut Compromise, because they're the ones that are going to back it. But Franklin's compromise is what we would actually recognize today. We're going to have a House represented by proportional representation, and we're going to have a Senate with equal representation. But Franklin's little twist on this is, in order to make things fair, we're going to have the House, the People's House, the proportional House, will have to initiate all spending bills. And we recognize that today, right? I mean, that's what the Constitution mm-hmm. says. Does it actually work that way? No. Why not? Anybody know? Because we elect people who aren't constitutionally solid. Well, there's that, and because we elect lawyers who can look at words on a page and, and, tell, you, them? and tell you that it means something completely different than what it says. Mm-hmm. It's part of the problem. Like the 27th Amendment says, no pay raises until there's an election in between, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that, do we follow that? That's an amendment to the Constitution. It's actually part of the Bill of Rights, believe it or not. But at any rate, Franklin's compromise puts this in there because he's trying to give a sop, as it were, to the bigger states. Because the bigger states are scared that the little states are just going to spend them into oblivion. 
there's a lot of concern right now, Bill. Georgia is getting ready to start a war with Spain, Spain and the Native American tribes. And Georgia, there's a belief that Georgia is trying to get everybody to go along with this constitution so that they can basically drag everybody into, a la Ukraine and NATO, to drag Mm -hmm. everybody into their war against Spain. Wow. And they're terrified of this. Most of the delegates think that this is a really bad idea, that this spending bill thing is a horrible idea, but nobody's got anything better. So for the moment, that compromise holds, and eventually you'll see that in the Constitution because they never really circle back to it and say, well, maybe we should change this. Tempers are flaring. People are getting angry. People are getting mad. And in the middle of all this, remember, Alexander Hamilton had walked out. He left because he was mad that he kept getting voted down by the other two guys from New York. The other two guys from New York, Robert Lansing and uh, Yates, have decided that they've had enough of this. They, they're they not there to write a constitution. They're, right, they're there to re- rehash the Articles of Confederation. So they leave. So now New York is no longer represented at the Constitutional Convention. One of the most mm. powerful econ- economies in the entire country is no longer represented there. Washington is writing desperate letters to Hamilton. I need you here. You are my aide-de-camp. You're all that's left of New York. Please come back. And what's Hamilton doing? Oddly enough, Hamilton is negotiating a duel between one of the representatives from Georgia and a merchant guy somewhere, and they're getting ready to fight a duel, and, and Hamilton's actually in New York trying to talk him out of it. But in the meantime, with the other two leaving, now we're down to basically 10 states. Well, eventually, everybody's surprised because New Hampshire, the two delegates from New Hampshire, just kind of wander in and go, hey, we're here. What's going on? And now we got to get them all caught up on everything that's going on. But as the heat breaks, they're getting ready to leave. They finally get into this vacation thing. And over in the corner stands from Virginia a guy by the name of George Mason, who chooses this moment to ask the most difficult question of the entire convention. And he wants an answer right now. I can see it. Excuse me. Excuse me. I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He wants wants it. We'll see what it's all about. See how it got hashed out, because apparently we're living the results of it today anyway. But we'll talk about it. Dave does history on Bill McLive. It's a Tuesday on 92.7 FM WMMB. We're back in moments. with Dave Does History on Bill McLive. In an hour, brought to you by the West Cocoa Pharmacy, talking about that guy at the Constitutional Convention. Everybody is ready to take their 11-day break and go home, go relax, go cool down. 
And one guy, Dave, says, mm, just a minute, tell me what it is. Ein Minuten, bitte. Yeah, George Mason's got a problem, and he is, his problem is he doesn't, he doesn't really want to be here, but he's pledged to stay here, and he doesn't think that this rewriting of a new government is a good idea. He wants the Articles of Convention, or Confederation, sorry, uh, rehashed, but... Quick question. Is he one of the five who's tasked to stay over the 11 days? He is not. He okay. is not, in fact. So you uh, think he'd want out, too? Come yeah, on! You'd think he would. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. In our political constitutional system, which part of our Constitution is the most misunderstood or difficult to explain or causes the most problems? Well, I know the answer you're looking for, right. but I'm trying to think of what else would be really... Well, we've had some uh, other answers to this question that I put out there. Things like people. separation yeah. of powers, uh, taxes, those sort of things. None of those are even close. It's simply the elect. How do you elect the president? It's not even the fact that we have a president. It's how do you elect the president? Simply put, Bill, 56% of the amendments that we have to the Constitution outside of the Bill of Rights. So you take those 11 out. The rest of the, uh, the rest of the amendments, 56% of those amendments, Amendment 12, 14, 15, 19, uh, 26, at least in part, 20, 22, 24, 25, are all about how we elect the president, you know, tweaks to that system. 56% of this is how we elect a president, Mm -hmm. which means that even today, every four years, we have arguments about, well, I don't like how we elect a president. It doesn't matter which side wins or loses. The losing side always has a problem with it, don't they? I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. Well, either the other side cheated or the Electoral College isn't fair or whatever. There's always some argument about it. The problem is, and this is... And I don't think we teach the Electoral College well at all. We don't, but maybe there's a reason why we don't, which is that the system is complicated. It's convoluted. It doesn't... In the broader spectrum of things, does it does it even really make sense? I mean, I like the Electoral College, don't get me wrong. But if you were just sitting down saying, well, how do we elect a president? Is that what you would come up with? There's no, there's no historical examples to follow here. No previous country had ever had a chief executive like this. The republics that they had to look at in the 1780s were different the 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 netherlands which was a famous republic of that era still had a hereditary leader a hereditary president if you will from the house of orange the house of stadt the other republics either didn't have specific leaders or they had a corrupted system that was so bad that it was basically just you know a dictatorship for all practical purposes. So they, they really have nothing to follow here. Had the parliamentary system been around yet where, where you have to form a coalition and then pick a leader from that? Yes, and, and that's what Hamilton had said a few weeks earlier, which was that the British system is the best system and we've, we should follow that, which, of course, might be true. I mean, personally, I've advocated for that kind of system before, but the problem is politically it's not acceptable at this point. You just, yeah, we just fought them to get away from right, this, right? Right. And parliamentary systems almost always lead to uh, almost always lead to monarchies. So 
there's all kinds of problems here. We got nothing to follow and we have no consensus. We have no idea how to do this. And it's at this point that George Mason, literally hours before this whole thing is supposed to take a break, stands up and says, I want to talk about how we elect a president. And everybody in the room goes, it's that (laughs) guy. The question is now asked, Dave, and nobody wants to play with it. Do they end up tackling this now? Oh, yeah. We start the arguments. The same arguments we've been having for a couple of weeks already. We start rehashing all of this again. That's the worst part of this, Bill. It isn't that this is some new idea that we can go, hey, let's table that until I... This is stuff we've been arguing about for two weeks. How do we elect the president? Now, the the Virginia plan that's on the table has the president serving one term. It's seven years long, and he's chosen by Congress. Anybody see any problems with that? Sure. Well, one term, seven years. Maybe that's better. I mean, isn't that what the Confederate states went with? Six years, one term. But it's this chosen by Congress thing that's a problem, because if you're chosen by Congress, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to make happy? Yeah. As opposed to for the people. Right. Right. The president is seen by almost everyone there as a protector of the people's rights. He's the people's guardian of liberty. And if you have Congress choosing him, it may not be the best interest of the people. We have other ideas. Well, we could have him directly elected by the people, which in principle makes the most sense. The problem with that, of course, is that, number one, nobody there, including Governor Morris, who hates the idea of democracy, but this is his idea, nobody there trusts the people to make a good decision. Well, what if we have the state governors choose it? Well, then you're back to the same thing with Congress. I mean, which, uh, you know, which governor got the most goodies from the president to back this other thing? We have other plans for Congress to choose it. Well, maybe we maybe we just choose 15 Congress people by lot and those 15 choose the president. Or maybe they choose four people and then the Senate chooses two of them and then they vote and the one guy gets to be president. and The other guy gets to be it becomes so convoluted that it's just annoying people. And the big problem they have, Bill, is that everybody knows that the guy sitting at the front seat is going to be the first president. Everybody knows. This isn't That's already debate. decided, right? It's, election it's or no election, yeah. it's George Washington. The problem is, who's going to be the second guy? And while we all know, love, and respect George Washington, there's a lot of people in this room that are already putting their eyes on, well, I'd like to be president. In fact, if I recall my history right, I think there's three guys in this room that will either become president or run for president. And there's a there's a comment made by one of the delegates from North Carolina. Look, we all know George Washington. But there may come a time in this country where the person running for president is known by no one. He's just some rando that decides to run for president without any kind of you know, history or backing or experience or anything. And we got to make sure that that second guy and third guy and fourth guy and 47th guy, who isn't going to be George Washington, no matter what you think of them, knows that they still have a job to do and that job still has rules. 
And this argument degenerates into name-calling, finger-pointing, and eventually people saying, you know what, we've had it with that guy, we're leaving. It was a momentous task, Dave. I mean, imagine being part of that group and having to go through these arguments to try to get there. Yeah, I I wouldn't have wanted to be there. No, I don't think so either. We'll see how it turned out and what's going on next as we continue with Dave Does History. In a moment on Bill McLive, we let you in at 321-768-1240 as we wrap up a Tuesday here in a moment. The West Cocoa Pharmacy, our hour sponsor, as Dave does history on these Tuesdays on Bill McLive. You can also use the talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app if you want to throw your thoughts at us that way. And by the way, when you turn on that app, every time you turn it on each day, give it about 20, 30 seconds for that pop-up to show up for you because that's your chance to register and win $5,000 just for listening on your mobile device to the iHeartRadio app. We're talking about that guy. Sadly, that guy has shown up at the Constitutional Convention, and the question we're asking is, hey, how are we going to elect a president? Something they'd already been fighting about, Dave. So did was a, an intentional tactic to keep him there, or is he just a snitty little guy who wants his way? You know, it's hard to say. George Mason is one of those characters in our history. He's very famous as an American. Uh, we, we have a university named after him, George Mason University. Mm-hmm. He is actually... Very much a patriot. He you know, was participatory in the American Revolution. He has been involved with our government ever since then. The thing about him at the convention is that most of the other anti-federalists, the people who think that this is a bad idea, like Robert Yates and Lansing, they leave. They just pack up and go. But Mason realizes that if we don't do something, this country's going to break apart. And so he makes a pledge, a public pledge and speech I'm staying no matter how long this takes. And he does. Now, he doesn't agree with the Constitution. He becomes one of the leading anti-federalists. In fact, he writes a book about it. But in the end of the, the whole thing, he still becomes a pretty good American under the Constitution. His, his intentions on this day are unclear. Nobody really knows why he decides to take that moment to bring this up. And the end result is the convention decides to stick with the original plan, which John Dickinson of Delaware had actually created, which is what we would recognize today as the electoral system. This is taken actually from Pennsylvania in, in, and modified slightly. What Dickinson doesn't like is the one thing they decide to change in the electoral system is that the state legislatures are charged with choosing the electors. He wanted the people to choose the electors, which, you know, the state legislatures in most cases have decided that the people will choose the electors. So he got his way in the end. But why Mason decides to bring this up right now is anybody's guess. Did he advocate one position or another? He wanted a more direct election 
of, of the people. He thought that that was better representation of the people's, particularly since you're looking at the president as the guardian of the people's liberties, mm-hmm. which is an interesting way to look at it. I'm not sure we look at the president that way today, but that's how they kind of saw it. And, you know, when you compare what 46 other presidents, 45 other presidents to George Washington, you'd have to say most of them fall pretty short. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, how we choose a president, this argument didn't really do anything except reinforce what we had already decided. We had this, we still have the same arguments, big states versus small states. If the small states gang up on the big states, they can choose their president. If the big states decide to flex their power, they can choose their presidents. You have the slave versus free, you know, Slaves can't vote in the elections, but they count as population for apportioning electors. So, you know, which works best for the slave states versus the free states? It's really a question of, you know, why bring this up right now? And the answer is it's it's really not clear why Mason decides to bring that up right now, other than maybe he just really is that guy. And at the end of the day, <laughs> you know... There's just no defense against that guy. And as the convention lurches to its its break, thanks to Matt Mason, everybody just kind of goes, that's done. We got that guy out of the way. Let's go relax for a couple of weeks. And we'll be back to tell you how it all went in 60 seconds on Bill McLaw. All of the show, all three hours, the McNugget, the call of the day available for you. Via podcast, the iHeartRadio app, and of course the uh, podcast section at BillMick.com. You can catch up with Dave Bowman on the uh, show page today at BillMick.com, which is entitled DeSantis and Trump. You'll see a link to Dave Bowman, which is his regular podcast page, and the uh, Dave Does History, which is his history bibliography for you. So catch up with that when you can. We get to your calls momentarily as we're talking about George Mason. So they, they decided basically on the system we have with a tweak or two that Pennsylvania had different. And that's where we're living today, Dave. What happens in the aftermath? Well, as they begin to leave, they pick a committee of 11. They're going to call this the Committee of Detail. And they're going to pick people that hitherto haven't been really on committees. And these guys over the next 11 days are going to write the rough draft of the Constitution. While everybody else is out enjoying themselves, relaxing, enjoying the cool, these guys are going to stay cooped up in here. And they are going to come up with the first draft. But, of course, they're going to take this opportunity to not just write the first draft, but to make sure things that they want in there get included in there. And that's whether they whether they were passed or not by the body. Right. They have 19 resolutions that they're going to condense down into the Constitution, the, the initial first draft. And they, they make some tweaks itself. But in the meantime, everybody else goes away for two weeks and basically goes fishing. That's what George Washington does. He goes fishing, but he also goes and sees a, a steamship, the the first example of a steamship in the United States. So that's what they do. Interesting. Were, were they surprised when they came back, or are we covering that in another week? We'll get there when we get back. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, I got you. Let's get to the phone, see what you're thinking this morning. Line one, you're on Bill Mick Live. Good morning. Uh, Bill Mick, this is Mario and uh, Cape Canaveral. Uh, after listening to uh Dave Bowman for the last few years, I have finally concluded that America is the other. It's not this, 
It's not that. It's the other. It's, it's, it's like, it's like reading Braille and, and, and feeling the contours and the outlines of what America is by what America is not. And America is huge. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's what I've learned from you, Dave Bowman. That's pretty cool, Mario. Dave, uh, bring us the Braille edition. I like it. Well, you know, it, it is, it is odd because I don't, you know, we take things for granted today, the electoral college, the presidency. But again, in 1787, on this week in 1787, there was none of the, nobody had any idea how to do this. They, they knew the Roman republics, they knew the old Greek republic states, democratic states. They were cooking from scratch. We, everybody knows George Washington is going to be the first president, but what does he do? You know, and how do you write a guy's job description when he's sitting in front of you? <laughs> you know, it's like, if I insult him, well, yeah, it is like Braille. I mean, you are, there is a lot of guesswork here. There's a lot of experimentation. And that's why when this choosing of the president thing, that's why there's so many amendments to the Constitution that have tweaked that system. Whether it's the Electoral College or who can vote or how many terms they can run for. Remember, that was an issue. Mm-hmm. All of these things get addressed later on by Again, 56% of the non-Bill of Rights amendments deal with how we elect or who can elect the presidency. So th- this was the argument. I, n- I know we talk a lot about the, the proportional representation stuff, but really the argument was the president. And, and one of Ben Franklin's things is, okay, so let's say we elect this guy and he turns out to be, I don't know, a bad guy. How do we get rid of him? There's only one of two ways to get rid of him. Number one way is to just assassinate him, but that seems a little extreme. So we need a way to impeach him. We need a way to legally get him out of there. And they literally come up with the impeachment system because the alternative is to have an assassination and, you know, concurrent with that, probably a, a, a coup. So there's a lot that goes into this that in many ways they recognize and wrestle with, but in other ways they don't want to deal with because it is complicated and there is no single system. Even today, what's the number one argument in our country? How we one elect a president. Vote. Well, how do we elect a president? Mm-hmm. Every four years we go through the same argument. Well, let me ask you about that while we're there, because we do hear it brought up every four years that, this electoral college system is not fair and that uh, we want to directly elect the president of the United States. How conceivable is it that they'll be successful in trying to do that? Well, you would have to have an amendment to the Constitution to do that, to change the system. So you would have to have yet another amendment to tweak the electoral system. Here's the problem with this amendment. you got to get 35 states to ratify it. Small states, smaller states. Going to go along with that? Nope. Why not? For the same reason, for the same reasons that they were arguing about in 1787. Mm-hmm. So it may not be a perfect system, but it's the best anybody can come up with. What about these states who say they're going to throw all their delegates behind one candidate or proportionally divide those delegates? Is now, that laid out? Is that, uh, is, is that presenting a problem down the road? Because the we national public vote, right? popular national popular vote system. Yeah. This is an intriguing idea. Um, 
again, it comes back to the Constitution says that the state legislatures can make the decision as to how they how they do that. The question mm-hmm. that I have on that system is, will the parties go along with it? And I guarantee you that the national popular vote system will work until California has to cast its votes for a Republican. Then it'll break apart. That would be true. I would I would imagine that. Yep. That'll kill it instantaneously because California won't do that. Neither will Washington, although you'd have a better argument. But as soon as you tell California, well, you signed this compact, you have to vote for Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) That'll that'll end the NPV system. I I can see the revolt now. That would be something. And nobody seems to get that. Nobody seems to under. Everybody's like, well, this this will ensure that the person who gets the most votes wins. Well, you will, but is that really what you want? And I don't think, pretty sure California doesn't want that, but, Mm -hmm. and they have no answer to that every time you tell them that. So while I'm concerned about the national popular vote system, I'm only concerned about it until California has to vote for a Republican. We got about 30 seconds for another call. Line one, got to make it quick. Good morning. Yeah, I can do that. Hey, it's Randy from Indianapolis. Yeah, the national popular vote. One of the best things about it is it's very possible that the entire state of Rhode Island could not vote for Donald Trump, but they would be forced to send their delegates in for him. Imagine that. Zero people vote for Donald Trump, but Rhode Island says Donald Trump is the man. That's why it won't oh, work. That would be fun. Randy, thank you. That's why it won't work. Or Oklahoma being forced to vote for Bill Clinton. You know, something along those lines would happen. And that's what will cause it to break apart. So I'm not... I'm not horribly they'll try it once, but I don't I don't see it lasting long. Well, it, it, as we found out in our last hour, it's going to be interesting as the primary season goes on and then we end up with uh, a Republican and a Democrat nominee. And it's still better than a year away before that one. And, and pro, it's, it's still more than a year away before we have the nominee. So, Dave, thank you. Thank you to the West Cocoa Pharmacy for this hour of the show. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, Dave. We'll see you then.